Guys, welcome back to the Property Pod, your fun and engaging way into the real estate market. I'm your host, Darren Horn. I'm joined, as always, by our panelists, John McGregor and Patrick Berry. Yeah. Oh, Pat's doing a John <laughs> intro. Yeah, well, we've got video these days, so I'm yeah, trying yeah. to like amp up. Oh, you're amping you up the train here. conductors. Yeah. <laughs> He's amping up his online persona. <laughs> normally I'm boring and sit around, but like the cameras are on, nope. so I've got to step up. <laughs> How are we doing, lads? Oh, good. Good. The video last week went bonkers. It did. I was actually really impressed. Uh, welcome new 900 viewers. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So I'm really happy with that. It's no, exciting. It was one of those things where we hoped it would work. It did work. We're changing it up. We're changing the angles a little bit today to see if that changes anything. Maybe my the other side of my face is better than the side I used last time. It's all beautiful. We'll find out today. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was good. It was a good episode. I actually had three people talk to me during the week about off-market selling and they mm. said, I said, oh, what makes you say that? Oh, we saw your video. Ooh. Hey. I was at Pickleball the other night. I play Pickleball. It's this kind of hybrid tennis squash. It's like this mini thing. We play at the YMCA in Glenorchy. And one of the guys come up and he's, this is Dave from Pickleball, and he just said, oh, I saw you on the internet. I said, oh, <laughs> oh no, what's happened? <laughs> Which website was yeah. that on? <laughs> Was that my OnlyFans? <laughs> <laughs> no, Dave said, he said, I saw you talking about real estate. And I said, yeah, that's me, mate. So, yep, shout out to Dave at Pickleball. I, uh, that was me. Watch again this week. And for a link to the discount on uh, Aaron's OnlyFans, <laughs> stay tuned to the end of the <laughs> Speaking of links, this week um, I'm getting a link up and running for... Uh, a footy tipping we're going to run at 414 Property yes. Co. Yeah. yeah, this is going to be fun. I'm really excited for this one. Yeah, so Sean and Marty, if anybody knows them out there, they are footy mad. Literally, once footy season starts. That's all they bloody talk about. Isn't it? And oh. the passion that, like, like Martin is a bomber's man like me, so I'm happy with that. But Sean is a North Melbourne, uh, and what does he call it? A renaissance. He says a renaissance is starting this season. <laughs> <laughs> so he reckons they're back. And I said, That's well, until round two, and then he's back off him again. Yeah, not watching another <laughs> yeah, game. Freaking useless. <laughs> no, so the plan is they're going to run a footy tipping competition here out of 414. I think it'll be over ESPN footy tip. So if you're on that, it'll be. Um, accessible that way, but it's going to be a free competition. I think some good prizes up for grabs too. $1,000 for first place. And I think there's some sort of barbecue prize for second place. So yeah, it's going to be pretty good. good. Yeah. I think we're planning on doing weekly prizes. We haven't secured everything, but anyway, if you're out there listening and you're interested in the footy at all, even if you're not, if you just want to, maybe win a thousand bucks. Lots of people win tipping by knowing normally the person that wins is like, oh no, I just like the colours. I choose, I don't like red, so I always tip against red and I always win. What I I like about this one though is the weekly prizes. We're still trying to lock them away, but there's going to be some awesome weekly prizes and like, you know, it's free. If you can just get lucky one weekend and get like, you know, a $20 or $50 prize, that is so freaking good. It's only how I justify the ones that I pay for. I'm like, as long as I get one weekly prize, I mean, I've won. Like I, I get my money back or I've got a pizza or I've got something. So well, I remember there's always that one week where the people that get that like they they're flat all year and then one week they just smash it out of the park and then everyone who's an avid footballer goes, the reason why they got it is because they know nothing about football. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. Sounds like my kid at the go-karting on the weekends. Oh, really? <laughs> he sucked so slow. <laughs> but because it's one lap wins and whoever has the fastest lap, yeah. he just nailed one lap. Perfectly, <laughs> and he's come off with first place, and he's like, yeah, I'm the greatest. And I'm like, I'm kid, you weren't. <laughs> <laughs> just got lucky. <laughs> 
All right. So, yeah, that's coming along. Um, yeah, if you're out there, jump on board. Mm-hmm. I think Marty and Sean, are, we're planning on putting – we've got the video going for this. We're planning on putting videos together every week of them kind of going over their tips, a bit of their footy banter. So that will be entertaining as well. So Yeah, so I think that's going to be a live show. I think we're going live with the boys. That's the plan. That is the plan. <laughs> so that'll be interesting. We've <laughs> had a trial run and they aced it. Yeah. It's yeah. all downhill from there. And, um, yeah, I think they're also doing some sort of newsletter each week as well with the tips and the ladder and everything built into it. So, yeah, it's going to be pretty good. I'm excited this one they're into it we're into it we're going to try and support them so the property pod supports the sean and marty afl <laughs> tipping <Footy> show <laughs> Jeez, it's a really long name you're yeah. gonna have to work on that with them we'll, we'll have to work on that <laughs> now leave it <laughs> <laughs> so jumping into some real estate stuff so it's not exactly straight off the real estate train but a lot of people might have noticed um their news feeds across facebook changing uh, in the past week it's probably why our video did so well because there's nothing else on yeah, facebook exactly. for people to see <laughs> actually really like that. Yes, that, that could be exactly why. Yeah. So there was an issue with the Australian government and um, the kings at Facebook? Yeah, so they decided that they didn't, or well, Australian government was asking for people to pay for news content, uh, well, for Facebook and for Google to pay for news content. So Facebook said, see you later news, and they turned it all off. The good bit is, because um, lots of people said, oh, you know, it wasn't just like the major news corps that disappeared or their, their pages appeared with emptiness. And then people were saying, oh, it's essential services are getting rubbed out. All these other things are disappearing. I raced to check, like, oh, crap, are we still there? Mm. I guess our witty banter <laughs> is not newsworthy. means we're not newsworthy. <laughs> <laughs> so that's good that we fly under the radar. <laughs> that's how you do it. <laughs> it's our wit, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. They're comedians, not news. <laughs> no, so, we're not even that. No, what no, are no, we? <laughs> yeah. Not news, just not worthy. <laughs> We're not worthy. We're not worthy. <laughs> no, so the, everything disappeared, um, but I think things are changing. Yeah, so it was announced last night that things are coming back, so they've struck a deal. And I think both sides are saying they won. Yeah, which is amusing. How do both teams win? Like the government's saying they won and Facebook is saying they won, so just, I'm not really sure how nice that. Battle of egos. Look, the way I see it, Facebook's now apparently going to be paying for some news content on the major providers, so... Isn't that a loss for Facebook? But anyway. They'll just bump up their advertising. Yeah, they'll get it back anyway. The scary thing, I don't know if you saw last week, that Facebook's income per year is more than the entire Australia's income. I'm not surprised. No, it doesn't surprise me. Like they are officially a larger country than us. If you look at a revenue perspective, that's just crazy. That's phenomenal. Because what there's, is it 15, 16 million users just for Australia? Like nearly every person has a Facebook account at this point. So if... um, So Mike... Yeah, my guess is that the news is coming back and Facebook has struck a deal because people got off it this week and they just saw their oh, time on app. Drop. Yeah, and yeah. they're like, hmm, maybe we should pay for some. <laughs> it's, an inter- it's, an inter- yeah. it's an interesting idea though. Like a lot of the memories that come through my Facebook will be these really ridiculous um, like status updates that used to be like the thing you use it for. Like yeah. I went out last night or <laughs> I did this. And then you just cringe. You're just like, oh, I can't believe I posted that on this. Like you don't really use Facebook for that anymore. It is a way to go and get your news, get your information. Lots of the times we'll be sharing articles that we'll find um, that we'll then discuss on the on property the show, yeah. So it's been a good source of sort of research for us. Yeah, so I don't, I don't watch um, major news or the – I don't sit down at six o'clock and watch the telly. Normally I'd be scrolling through and I'd be like, oh, Tiger Woods was in a car crash last night. Like, oh, holy moly. But that's nowhere on my Facebook this morning. I only heard it on the radio, luckily. Mm. But, yeah, it is a way where I'd be like, oh, crap, that's how I keep up with the or, news. Or in my case, it's, you know, I haven't spoken to one of my best mates in six months and I just go onto his page and leave a dad joke that says, uh, why did the blacksmith lose his hearing? It's because he was listening to too much heavy metal. So <laughs> that's my use of Facebook. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, thanks, that input card. Yeah, <laughs> so that'll show up ten years from now as a memory. <laughs> All right. So jumping from there, we we were able to find an article from um, Jared Bevan. One we just of had our, to go old school and actually go to a yeah, website. Indeed. Um, so we found one about investors, and it's it's questioning have or it's saying investors have fled the property market. Will they return? Bom, bom, bom. Well, I think that's an element where. Um, a lot of people have had that. We've discussed this a couple of times, thinking is it all the investors that are bumping up the property prices? And it seems that that just doesn't isn't the case at the moment because you know ninety percent of locals with the purchases in Tasmania specifically, and like I was referring, is it as a result of the um, prices increasing so rapidly at the moment? That's putting a real downward pressure on rental yield. So the return the investor gets is just not as dollar. big as it used to be. That's right. Like they're saying in this article, forty three percent drop over the last three years. Yet you ask any local why they can't buy a house and mm. it's because investors from the mainland are buying all the properties. Yeah. But it's yeah. clearly not the case. Yeah, like, that, we really have a bad um, idea of guessing statistics. You know, it's all that subjective element of what we think is happening just yep. isn't happening. Mm. So I know with um, – so where then that's interesting is if um, – I. Sp- people are taking a little bit, I don't know, like a bit more of a professional approach to it where they're not considering, and Simon Presley talked about this a couple of times, where don't think you need to invest in your own backyard all the time. You know, enable yourself to think outside the square and invest in other states. So obviously a lot it seems to be that a lot of that investor money now is starting to, you know, they're purchasing in other regional centres quite possibly because those rental yields are, are a, lot better. a lot better than Tasmania, which certainly wasn't the case, well, three, four, five, six years ago. Mm. Um, I know with that too, um, to the guy that they um, interviewed, Tony College, is referring on the fact too that um, a lot of that pressure of housing where the, the vacancy rates were up 2% then 1% and currently it's now like 0.6%, which is um, madness. So it's like nearly 100% of properties across Tasmania are occupied. Um, and it obviously that is a result primarily as a result of population growth and not available housing, you know, mm. with housing not being able to keep up with it. So it's an impossible situation to fix again until fundamentally. All houses maybe, are built. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Absolutely. Absolutely. But we, I Too still, many people love this state. Um, well, I was chatting with um, a couple from, we've got a block of land listed up at Bimbar Road in Glenorchy and they're from England originally and then been living in Western Australia. Uh, and the, she wanted to move across about three, four years ago, which was really frustrating because it would have been much easier to buy a property at that time. Um, but it's that same thing where now um, everyone speaks highly of Tasmania and so do Tasmanians. And that just never used to be the case 10, 15, 20 years ago. It's like its, it's identity now has been really discovered or, and probably really acknowledged. And it's just, I, I just can't see that ever going backwards at this point, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, you'd hope not, not in this current kind of current climate of, um, you know, the safety of being this tiny little island state that has, you know, clean air and all the things we've discussed previously. Yeah. We've got art and culture now, the idea of being able to work remotely and not having to travel to these major centers. Like I've, a mate of mine was working, he still works in Victoria. He was working in Geelong um, and he was meant to be in the CBD. So mm. what was happening was he was two hours away from the city of essentially anyway. So he negotiated, said, oh, well, can I work from Hobart? I still do exactly the same thing. I'm still only two hours away if I ever really have to come back over. And I'm like, yeah, that'll work. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, yeah, why not? We've got a beautiful opportunity to, to be down here and 
Let's go for it. Well, I'm, I'm probably just going to go against my own self, which was um, bad statistics on not knowing and talking about tick <laughs> statistics. But I actually hadn't thought about it till just now where the last few properties that we've sold were um, interstate investors. And then most of the conversations now that I'm having with investors are those that are either local or long-term intending to move into Tasmania. Uh, so they're buying now with the intention of moving into it at a later date. Yeah, or that um, they're wanting just to – they'd like having their portfolio where they live. Um, and one of them specifically was um, a gentleman, he's a, a builder working um, in Western Australia in the mines at the moment. But for him, because he's in a position to be able to move and then as those investments become vacant, as he moves here, he'll be able to do all the renovations and add capital value himself. So for him, even though it might, he could say, look, well, there's better, you know, immediate yields available. For him, he likes he wanted, wants to be here so he can physically do that work on the property, which is sort of a concept that I hadn't really thought about. But um, that does make sense because he'll be able to build much more leverage into that property by you know using his own hands at you know at much at much cheaper cost. Um, and chasing the you know immediate rental return yield is not what's most important to him, but obviously the long term capital growth and what he can build into it is. So I suppose when it comes to this idea of um, considering your investment plan is like Simon talked about, is try and take your emotions out of it and really plan the numbers and work to a plan rather than just buying out of a, a mode of fear of missing out. So sense. what are you calling John? Are you saying they're coming back or are they leaving? Yeah, I know. We've kind of got both sides of the coin. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're sitting on the fence, mate. Yeah, you got to make know, a call. Right? Exactly. Well, I, for me, it doesn't really matter, does it? <laughs> no. The point is stick to your plan, um, which is sort of the uh, – there was another um, – and that was where a friend of mine asked me about this recently. He's like, oh, you know, how much should I pay for this investment property or when's the best time to buy and sell property? Well, usually it's, well, the best time to buy and sell property is when you need to buy and sell property fundamentally. But when it comes to that investment perspective is, yeah, if you can try, I said to him, try and avoid this fear of missing out where you're emotionally going to buy a property because you think you're um, at risk of losing. Um, and if the, if it stacks up with your numbers for an investment, well, then it's fine. Like then you're buying and selling in any market. So uh, yeah, it was, a, that's a really good fence sitting out. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So good. So, um, yeah, look, it looks like investors are in the state, they're out of the state. It's kind of a very interesting little uh, kind of conundrum that we're in here because there's so many people trying to buy, um, whether they be homeowners or investors, mm. it's hard to say what is right for anyone. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, one of the stories that I'd like to touch on because we'll reach out this week to see if we can get a, a building inspector on because it's one topic we haven't really um, deep dived. We keep into. saying every week, let's yeah. get a building so inspector. Let's, let's make sure we make some calls right after we finish this because um, a friend of mine reached out and he's interested in purchasing a property where the first contract withdrew as a result of an unfavourable building inspection. So there was much more work that is required to so be done. To just, the- just for so just for clarification here, when you're saying withdrew, are you meaning um, generally the building inspection will say like we will accept $5,000, $3,000, a certain amount of money worth of um, damages or something yep. that in the contract is, um, you know yeah. what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah. So Can you the, explain in, that in to our Tasmania listeners? Uh, with the standard form of contract, they, they call it a defect limit. That's so it. That's the you, word I'm looking you, for. You set a limit, let's just say, yeah, $10,000 is a good example. And then if the, the build, the clause describes that should the inspection report find um, damages, so that could be anything from, it used to be in the old contract, plumbing, electrical, structural roofing defects, but now it's anything. So it could be a loose cupboard handle. It could be a tear in the carpet. Yeah. Defects. Water so damage, under, water the damage house, under the house. Roofing iron, 
That's it. And and should those damage defects, uh, you know, cost more than the defect limit? So, all right, to rectify those damages might cost $15,000. Yep. We've got a $10,000 defect. On that basis, you can then choose to withdraw from the contract. Yes. Or I'll often say to clients, well, look, come back to the party and we'll renegotiate. Yep. Because um, sometimes then after renegotiation, it doesn't become an issue, but sometimes you come to agreements where things can be fixed and, you know, you, the deal moves forward. Sure. So in this particular case, though, he's looking at a property where uh, a building inspection is available. Now, in most states, that would be pretty commonplace, but in Tasmania, it's very rare that people will, um, a vendor will prepare a building inspection report for purchasers to see. And that was available because the first contract on the house, the buyers chose to withdraw because the defects accumulated to a about $30,000, $35,000 worth of damage. And so he came to me asking, okay, now I've got this information. Is it a good thing to move ahead with the property? Should I buy it? How do I negotiate it? Um, what does this mean? And fund, my advice to him primarily was, look, if this is a house that you really like, your only real logical step at this point is to say, if you don't know what this stuff means, is to engage a couple of different professionals who can give you advice on exactly what that is going to cost to repair. Yep. Because, you know, one of them was, um, you know, inadequate drainage, the water was getting underneath the house. So, it's, okay, um, if you don't know how to fix it, you're going to need to find someone who does. And so with that, if he, if the agent and the owner has enough patience to say, look, I am very, very interested, but I do need to get some professional advice on that, you know, and with them, they'll be able to give them some specific quotes on how much it's going to cost to repair from there. Then, then you could have confidence in going into the negotiation and saying, look, I understand you're asking, let's just say, I can't remember what the price was, but $500,000 bearing in mind that might make sense in today's market. um, If the house was perfect. Now I have some specific um, things, details. details that all that's going to be sunken costs to me because it's not going to make it's not going to add capital value. This is just fixing the place. Yep, to get it back to worth its five hundred thousand. Yep. for example, would you consider um, an offer of X, for example? And so he's like, "Yep, that makes sense." And he's go off. I'm going to go go do that because. Obviously, the next question is people are asking, why is the house been on the market for so long? Well, um, we had that case up at that property at um, Eastern Avenue that took was one of the hardest property I've ever sold. <laughs> we had um, 68 private inspections plus open homes because, unfortunately, it was a house with a lot of defects. And finally, we did find a, um, the investors knew they, they had all the information. They could see the potential and, you know, we finally were able to get a deal together on pretty much that exact process. Yep. Um, and so on that then, all parties saw that the, the deal was fair um, based on, you know, real um, tangible evidence to show that sure. it's not just – plucking an arbitrary number out of the sky. Um, so what then um, I suppose will be useful carrying forward is if we can, because um, one of the challenges too is that people think um, there'll be arguments where oh, building inspectors are just trying to justify by doing a large defect and, you know, I've had someone that says, um, oh, look, if I'll, I'll be able to get you out of the deal. You know, there's a lot of misinformation, I think, and a lot of um, challenges about finding the right building yeah. inspector and what they do. So, um, Well, let's, yeah, let's, if you guys know some, let's reach out. Let's yeah. um, let's talk to already someone. Done. You've already said you know what John was talking. Thank you, mate. <laughs> well, you have plenty of time. <laughs> I knew I could buy you enough <laughs> time. It's like, my, it's like my old English teacher used to do if she uh, didn't want to teach anymore. She'd just get me to um, extend whatever verbal presentation we had to do. Um, so. Was that Mrs. White? That was Mrs. White. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> Shout out to Mrs. White, Mrs. Sue White. What a champion. Well, because we had another case where a um, one of our one of our clients came to us that purchased a property from interstate and they engaged a building inspector um, who found a lot of defects on this property but wasn't able to assist them in providing a, a, a estimate cost of repair. And without an estimate cost of repair, they couldn't activate that 
um, cancellations. So in essence, that building inspection was useless. useless to them in terms of the contract. So we had to give them another building inspector to assist them in the process to in order for the, um, them to be able to withdraw from the contract. So um, I think it was a case where they probably chased, um, you know, cheap fees versus yep. actual good professional advice. Well, I think the time now is to get someone in to properly explain the process for us yeah, and so exactly. that we can get everyone to understand what their rights are, what they can and can't do with the building inspection and what the purpose of one is. Yeah, exactly. Well, even if this little rant of mine serves as nothing else to keep your eyes peeled for the next episode, um, there it is. Cliffhanger. I like Boom. it. <laughs> awesome, guys. Well, it has been a hoot. It's always good to be back on the cams. Shout out to my man Dave at Pickleball again. Hopefully you're watching hey, Dave. the whole video. <laughs> and Mrs. White. <laughs> and Mrs. White. <laughs> <laughs> and get on board the 414 Property Co. footy tipping competition. Watch this space. Sounds good. All right, guys. See you guys. See you. Bye. You have been listening to The Property Pod, recorded and edited by 414 Media House in conjunction with 414 Property Co. This podcast is general information only and the thoughts and views expressed is the opinion of our panel and listeners should always seek then use their own investigation into any topic we discuss to ensure they fully understand their own situation. It does not constitute and should not be relied on as purchasing, selling, financial or investment advice or recommendations expressed or implied and it should not be used as an invitation to take up any agent or investment services. No investment decision or activity should be undertaken on the basis of this information without first seeking qualified and professional advice.